I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations. Will Republicans retake the Senate in 2014? What will happen in the House? What's the latest in 2016 presidential politics? People who want to stay ahead of the curve in politics turn to our good friends at the Cook Political Report for answers. For more than 30 years, Charlie Cook and his team have nailed the nation's most important election outcomes and political trends. CBS News' Bob Schieffer calls the report, quote, the Bible of American politics. Nate Silver says few have, quote, a longer track record of success. If you make it your business to know politics, you need to subscribe to the Cook Political Report. Head over to cookpolitical.com slash political wire. That's cookpolitical.com slash political wire to sign up today. And now to our conversation. With the elections finally behind us, our focus turns to the hard work of governing and the big question of what, if anything, will get done. With Republicans controlling Congress and a lame duck Democrat who's surely thinking about his legacy in the White House, what will give? Or are we about to see gridlock so extreme that the last few years will look smooth in comparison? It won't take long to find out. With the president's executive order that promises to remake immigration in America and with Republican promises to override, the first battle is on. What's next and where are we headed? To help us understand, Jim Gilmore, founder of Growth Pack. Of course, among many other roles, he's also former governor of Virginia and former chair of the Republican National Committee. Governor Gilmore, thanks for joining me. Before we get into the issues of the day, your election analysis, and more importantly, what's next for governing in our country. What is Growth Pack? What's your platform? Well, Chris, thanks for the chance to talk to your listeners. Growth Pack was a new vehicle that I created uh, a short while before the election. It's a super PAC, which means that I had the opportunity to raise funds and to spend the funds on behalf of candidates, so long as I didn't coordinate with them in any way. Uh, so I... Uh, uh, donated some money myself and then raised some money from uh, on on a very quick basis and then bought television and radio time to support the candidates in Iowa, New Hampshire, my home state of Virginia, and some radio time in North Carolina. And I think that it was uh, constructive. Uh, it was a, a, a an ad that talked about the necessity for the growth of the United States economy and who we thought would be the better candidate for that. So that's what Growth Pack is. And then, of course, as you know, uh, I'm also a head and president and CEO of a conservative research institution, which is a 501c3, which is not political. So I just depends on what hat I'm wearing to do whatever I need to get done on any particular day. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the smart way. That's the American way, and that's that's a is, that's American opportunity is uh, what you're talking about. The uh, yes, yeah, uh, Free Congress Foundation, FreeCongress.org. Uh, but we also have a second web page, which is more programmatic. It's for our program at Free Congress, and that, that second program is called AmericanOpportunity.org. And very parallel, uh, but it focuses mainly on the growth of the economy and the importance of getting people jobs and wage growth and how you do that through conservative approaches and tax reform. Super. Yeah, I saw that uh, you certainly have, uh, you know, many of your ideas there. So uh, a number of different ways uh, that you are and will continue to be uh, involved in policy uh, ideas and, and the future of our country. So let's uh, let's jump right into that. Um, the topic of the day, obviously, is immigration. Um, uh, I've seen some of your uh, comments in a, in a press release that you put out, uh, so I, I guess I, I kind of know the answer to the question already, but uh, what, what did you think of his actions? 
I think the president uh, is uh, is going to solve a lot of these problems by uh, the position that he has taken. Uh, there are a lot of thorny issues here. Uh, a lot of people are quite unhappy about the, the influx of illegal aliens. Uh, and there's a, a sense in the Republican Party that, that people have come in and now are in violation of the law by being here, sort of taking advantage of the situation. But then you get very sympathetic arguments like young people who've grown up here and are just as American as you and, as you and I, and what do you do with them? So that it's a real thorny, thorny problem. I see the issue from last night, though, uh, uh, you know, very differently, Chris. And that is whether the president is really kind of deconstructing the American governmental system by doing what he's doing. Uh, let's face it, if, uh, if he could have done this legally all along, why didn't he do it two or three years ago? It's because he couldn't do it. It's because that uh, he's making law and instead of enforcing law. And you can't do that. Uh, and it disrupts the entire governmental system. And just ask this question, if, if people can be here in violation of the law, if the president feels like that he can remake the law just on an executive order, you know, what law do I get to ignore? Uh, so I just think this is a real, uh, a real challenge that the president has done here. I think he is not enforcing the law. Hey, let's look at one more thing. What are the laws of the, of the United States today in immigration? And the fundamental thing is you have to be here on a legal status. You don't get to self-define that for yourself. And yet the president has basically said that that's going to be okay with him. And I just uh, think he's not enforcing the law that's been passed by the Congress. And so to kind of try to unpack that a little bit, and there's so many different aspects to it, and and I'll, I'll ask you, you know, I guess all you can do is really give me, you know, your views, but maybe your point of view and then how, from a strategic point of view, you think uh, Republicans will and, and should address it. You know, so on the one hand, um, part of what you're saying, and, and a lot of people have argued, is that, one, his actions were illegal. He is taking an illegal action, and as you said, I think, just a moment ago, if he could have done this, you know, why didn't he over the last few years? And, and people give a number of reasons why maybe he didn't, but one of the reasons you just suggested was he didn't do it because that it's it's illegal, and, and so that's one aspect. Second aspect kind of sounds like, well, wait a minute, what are the laws of our country, and we're giving amnesty to people who – um, may have come into this country illegally. Is that proper? And so that's kind of a separate issue of then, you know, what would be the right way to address the immigration challenges in America? And that obviously for, you know, any uh, public office holder or anyone running for public office dealing with um, how do how should we as a country handle immigration and handle people who are here highly important. So if you, if you could kind of take both sides of that, one is, you know, yes, am I understanding you correctly? Your view is the president's action was illegal and already the House is, uh, you know, starting to sue on that. And then second portion is if the approach is is wrong, if it's the wrong political policy approach, what's the right approach? Well, those are, are great questions. Let's take them, uh, yeah. uh, you know, one at a time. You know, what is law today? Well, I actually practiced some cases on this a few years ago when I was in private practice, and I wasn't representing Hispanic people. I was representing Ethiopians, and they wanted to be here. They were here. They had come legally on a tourist visa, and they just overstayed their their visa and took a job in violation of the law because they didn't have work permits, and they asked me to clean all this up. And, you know, it wasn't so easy to do because we were obeying the law. 
and it was a, a real challenge, and I finally found ways to, to do that within the law. But this is a situation where we're really communicating to the American people, well, a law doesn't matter. If there's a, a requirement that one be here with proper status or otherwise they have to depart and leave the country and and you know readjust outside of the nation, we're just going to ignore that. Well, you know, the Congress has already passed all this law. This is already on the books. The president's obligation is to enforce the law, not to just simply say, I'm going to be a super Congress and change the law. He doesn't have the right to do that. So I, and it's not that, let me be clear with you, Chris, and to your listeners, I don't have the slightest interest in sending any kind of message of hostility to anybody in the Hispanic community, not only Hispanics, but all the other nationalities I think are adding to the quality of life of the United States, just as the Irish have before, which is my background and others. But we are a nation of law, uh, and uh, that is certainly what the Republicans pride themselves on. And I, I think that this is a very challenging thing. If if this can stand, what can you do next under the presidential uh, palace? And that's that's just not appropriate. And I think uh, if we're going to live in a free country of laws with the separation of powers, this pro- this cannot stand. And I hope the courts will see it that way. And as for yeah, go on, go on. I'm as sorry. For, as for what we should do. I mean, I, I just think that, uh, you know, I don't have any of the magic answers. I think that's why you have a Congress to get in there and debate and offer some different proposals. I disagree with the president, however, when he says, well, you know, if you're not going to act, I'm going to act. Uh, you know, I gave you a chance to act. Well, it's not up to him to give the Congress a chance to act. The Congress is its own body under the Constitution. And if it chooses not to act, that's a political and policy decision all of its own. And he doesn't have the right to dictate to them that they have to either, uh, you know, be held hostage and either pass his law or else you'll just impose it. That's that's not the way we work. And so, you know, you've operated, obviously, in the, you know, raw politics of situations as well as the the policy and having to put these things into into action and, and, and make government work. Um, has has the president put down a possibility, an option here, an executive order that politically, does it become difficult? I mean, I can hear you and I know it, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a challenge, um, for Republicans who at, at the same time argue, you know, we, we are a nation of laws, which of course we are. And at the, you know, and that's a, a, let's call that a policy, um, point of view. And at the same time, politically, and this is, you know, this is the raw politics of it. Um, you know, Hispanics in particular, a massive and massively important, um, you know, political group and, and, and very active and, and very important. Is, is that a line? How, how can, should Republicans walk that line? Can you walk that line? What do you foresee there? Well, I, when I was chairman of the Republican National Committee, uh, I wanted to see the Hispanic community well represented uh, in the Republican Party, and I still do. Uh, I think Hispanic voters are a natural constituency of the Republican Party. But we have to send the right message that we care about people being employed, people having jobs, people having uh, the opportunity to succeed and to grow and to have education, all the things that Republicans think are important that are equally as important to the Hispanic community. Uh, but we do have a problem, and that is that Republicans care a lot about being a rule-of-law country. And I, I think these are the problems that are in conflict. I would like to try to find a way to harmonize them, but the president has not done that. It's it's like Obamacare. He's just sort of jamming it down your throat now today and daring you to do something about it, figuring that if we do try to obey the law and obey the Constitution, 
that will drive away the Hispanic vote. I think that's very cynical and very destructive of the nation. Am I worrying too much in in your view about uh, what Congress and the uh, president can get done together or, or might not get done together? I mean, you, you know, you just mentioned the point of view that that you know many Republicans have, many people have regarding uh, Obamacare and the way that that was done. Obviously, plenty of people on the the other side who don't feel it was done that way, but but there's clearly there's tension there. Um, you you know, you've got a a, a Republican controlled Congress and you've got a Democratic you know, lame duck president who is obviously going to be thinking about his legacy he has to be. He's human. You know, I'm I'm concerned about you know the ability to of those groups to work together and and get things done. Am, am I you know do you do you share my worry or or would you tell me to relax a little bit? I do share it. No, I do share that worry, and it's principally because I think that the, the Republicans have yet to define the direction that that they want to go. Uh, let me be clear with you. The, the the left has said in this country, well, the American people in this last election wanted to vote to get things done. That's just not true. The people of the United States did not replace all these people to get things done. The question is, what are you trying to get done? And I believe that this vote was a clear mandate to change the direction of the nation. Now the Republicans have to come up with that theme, and they have not done it yet. And I propose that it be a conservative tax reform, pro-growth economic program. It doesn't have to be the exclusive program, but this should be a consistent program in which all Republicans and conservatives can rally around. And that means that we do a tax reform and other reforms in order to make sure that we get investment and growth and wage growth in this country and jobs and opportunity. And that will be good for every community, the expanded community, every other community. If you grow the economy. And I think that's what the American people are frustrated about. And I think that's what they want. And I propose that H.R. Uh, 1 and S. 1 in the, in the House and the Senate ought to be a pro-growth jobs program to uh, to reform the way things are being done and get things moving again. And that's what I propose that we do. And that would be a good program for the Republicans. Yeah, the tax reform is certainly one of the one of the major one of the major issues. Do you, do you think that? I mean, is the momentum there? Will the focus be there? Um, you know, are, are, will, will there be distractions around whether it's immigration or health care reform? Will will Republican leadership kind of drive Republicans towards that focus? Because the, the the demand I think is there. Will the focus be there? Chris, I'm actually very worried about it. Uh, I'm concerned that we have grandstanding people in the Republican side of the United States Senate. They're constantly trying to reach for a headline and trying to be flamboyant and saying reckless things. Uh, I think that the Republican Party is very, very diverse, uh, and I'm very concerned that they won't come up with a, a consistent program. But I propose that it be an economic program. I think that's what we can all rally around. And that puts us in unity with the people of the United States, who I believe voted Republican this past election because of their deep concern about their economic conditions and for their uh, their future, their jobs, and the careers of their children. And so, Governor Gilmore, let me take you up on uh, uh, on your, your segue there. Thank you very much for it and, and the election that, that just passed. And g- given that I am talking with you, Virginia born and raised, um, let, let's start with uh, um, the Commonwealth that's for lovers. Um, almost everyone was surprised by the very close Virginia Senate race. Uh, between uh, Senator Mark Warner and uh, former GOP chair uh, Ed Gillespie. Um, you obviously, uh, you know, that was one of the states where, where you ran one of your ads. Um, were you surprised by how incredibly close that was? 
Yes, frankly, I was surprised. Uh, all the pollsters and all the conventional wisdom said that, that Warner would win by a big number. Yeah. But uh, Gillespie was in a position to ride this wave, this Republican wave. The Virginians are no different from any other Americans. We're very, very much a microcosm of the United States. And I think people were very concerned, uh, and they wanted to see change, and they voted for it. And as it turned out, Gillespie almost made it. And then, of course, and I, and I think Mark Warner ran uh, not a very good campaign. His sort of mantra has been, well, I'm a good guy. And then he proceeded to run negative advertising, which implied to people maybe he wasn't such a good guy. And I think uh, that was not a very good approach, and it almost cost him his seat. Is Virginia and still? And I was happy, yeah. by the way. And yeah. I was happy, by the way, to participate in the growth pack in Virginia politics and uh, put in substantial money to support Gillespie in that race. Uh, nobody else did. Everybody else abandoned him, but but I didn't. And I I formed the growth pack and included him in in my uh, television and radio buys. Well, if GOP chairs aren't going to stick together, I mean, who who is going to stick? You know, <laughs> <laughs> former GOP chairs, I should say. Uh, you know, with uh, you you and Glass. What and and you know, obviously the earlier race, the House race, uh, the Eric Cantor race, uh, um, that really stunned. Uh, all of us. And, and so I guess, did it stun you? And, and taking that one, you know, with the, you know, Gillespie Warner race, um, you know, what, what is that saying about Virginia? Is, is Virginia still purple? What, what, what's your take on all of that? I think that uh, Virginia is my home state. It's a big state. It's a very diverse state, but very representative of the attitudes of the United States. We have a, a very large urban area connected to the federal government in the north. We have a maritime community. We have a very good uh, corporate uh, state capital. We have rural areas, mountain areas. And, you know, the point is, I think you have to make your case. I think you have to offer a real program uh, that's good for the people of Virginia that is persuasive. When I ran for governor, I carried the northern Virginia suburbs on my car tax cut proposal, which was a tax cut. And the people liked it. And I, I think that's what you have to do. You can't run anymore on slogans or on party line exclusively or on anything else. You have to actually make your case to the people of Virginia. And and moving outside of Virginia to some of the other races and, and that, that you saw and as you were looking at uh, the midterms 2014, is there one race, any any one race that was the most meaningful to you, politically speaking, you know, as you kind of think about, you know, where our country is, is it, was there any one race that, that or two races that you looked at and said, you know what, that really shows where this country is going? Any Any of them really stick out in your mind? Uh, well, first of all, it was an overwhelming Republican victory. Uh, many, many seats, majority now in the Senate, an amazing set of victories in the governorships. The Republicans now control Massachusetts, Illinois, and Maryland, for heaven's sakes. So it was a real uh, overwhelming pull. That was uh, every, The American people stood up as one and voted in a particular way. To me, I think the biggest surprise for me was was Kansas. Yeah. Uh, you know, Roberts was supposed to lose. He won easily. And uh, Governor Brownback was left for dead, and he won. So uh, I, I just think that what we saw this time was I, – I hesitate to just talk about individuals. I think that it's important to notice the American people voted for change. They're not happy with what the direction of the nation out of Washington, and they voted for change. Now the duty of the of the new majority is to offer proposals that will effectuate that change. And so if I can take just another moment uh, of your time and your analysis and, and 
take that theme and turn to 2016. Um, do, you know, if, if if this is a a vote, and that and there, you know, there is a bit of you know, you're pointing out some of the conservative movements, uh, you know, and some of that voting that that it sounds like you saw and many of us saw around the country. Um, does that uh, say anything to any you know uh, former Virginia governors, politicians who may have thought about? Uh, um, presidencies previously and, and are looking at 2016? Well, that's very gentle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm, a, I'm a subtle guy, aren't I? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, it's very gentle. Uh, listen, uh, I ran in 2008. Uh, it was not a timely effort. Uh, and, uh, you know, I was not in that race to just posture. I wanted to be the president. I wanted to try to do something good for my fellow Americans. And uh, uh, now I care so much about what I believe is an ignored, uh, lacking economy of the United States. I'm concerned that young people can't get careers. I'm concerned that African Americans and Hispanics are not getting jobs. I'm concerned that we don't have investment. I believe the policies of the United States are deliberately there to keep a low-growth, uh, sickly economy, which is hurting Americans. And I'm going to try, try to do something about it. I tried in 2014. And uh, I and I want the, these issues to be front and center in 2016, and I'll do what it takes to make sure that they are, because that's what has to happen in this country. We have to have a a real forward-looking, bright future for the country. Reagan said, "It's morning in America. It's time for the dawn once again." Do you see that when you look at some of the names that are being uh, thrown around on, on the Republican side? I mean, Rand Paul. Chris Christie, Scott Walker. I mean, you know, there are others, of course, but but do do you see that as the momentum moving? I mean, you've you've proven you in 2014. You're absolutely right. You were involved, and you found you know among your um, you know the pack and and these the organizations that you're driving, and in other ways that I'm sure I'm just not even aware of. I mean, th- there are a lot of ways for for somebody like you to to be involved, and and you are. When you look at some of the other names that are being thrown around as potential for Republican 2016, is it directionally where you think the party should be going? No, I don't think so yet. Uh, And I'm very disturbed by it. I'm going to keep doing what I need to do uh, in order to try to help the people of this country. Uh, But right now there's this this tendency to – to, to drive personalities, uh, you know, a Bush name here or a former candidate there or somebody kind of loud and rude here or somebody doing something there. And I just think that we're not thinking appropriately about the future of the United States. Now, I do think that Rand Paul is driven a lot by policy, but I don't like his policy. I, I think particularly in his foreign policy, it's it's not good for this country and, and not too dissimilar from the president. So I, I but with that exception, I think that we do not yet see uh, a good policy direction for the United States that will help regular people. And that's what I think the Republican Party is positioned to do. And I think that's our duty and our obligation. And I'm determined to help make it happen. Jim Gilmore is the founder of Growth Pack. He's the former governor of Virginia, former chair of the Republican National Committee. Uh, governor Gilmore, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, Chris. I look forward to talking to you again. I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations.